Hello and welcome to the Q Podcast, Conversations in Digital Media, where we interview experts and discuss their strategies and tactics for successful digital media marketing. Today our guest is Judy Jackson. She is the marketing director and mastermind of the digital media strategy for Randolph Brooks Federal Credit Union. Randolph Brooks serves hundreds of thousands of members from their 60 branch locations across Texas and, of course, online. Joining Judy today is our Director of Sales, Brianda Tomez, and your host, Zach Hornsey, Q1 Media's Vice President of Customer Success. So without further ado, you're in the queue. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you guys so much for joining us. This is one I've been extremely excited to do because I think it's such an important vertical for uh, the industry, and uh, you guys have been one of our longstanding clients, and really, uh, I call you the gold standard of credit unions, and I say I keep saying that not to, you know, build your ego, but I really do believe, especially being a local Austin resident for the last two decades, uh, you guys are everywhere, you know, television, radio, linear TV, everything like that, so we know you guys have a big footprint in the community and, and Texas in general, so I'm excited to have you guys on. Oh, it's, we're thrilled to be here. I mean, it's just, it, Texas is our world. It's our market. So everything we do is within the, the boundary of, of Texas, and I, I can imagine a better place. Absolutely. And Brianda has been your, uh, our, she's our director of sales, but she's also been your, uh, your, your account manager for a really long time as well. And I call her a lifeline. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I mean, I know it's kind of cliche, but I, I always think a really great place, especially where we are, we are at in the world right now, is really to start with just the pandemic. And I know that it's really easy to go to that, but I do think that you guys having navigated before it, during it, and now kind of after it, it's we're getting there. Um, I would really like to just kind of understand when it first occurred, how did, how did RBFCU kind of change your approach? Did you change a lot? Did you not change at all? Are you still changing every single day? So I would love to kind of hear how you were kind of going along and then you, we had this crisis hit and then how you kind of changed or if you didn't change at all, you just said, you know, let's stay the course. I think, I think it's like everybody. You woke up one day and said things are very different right now. Um, from a marketing perspective, we have plans that are six months out. So we're, you know, you're in December, we're already planning stuff for June, July. And so I think at that point, we knew our, our world had just changed. Um, and as marketers, our world changed from an image perspective, everything we thought we knew, the playbook changed on that. Because, you know, normally when you're marketing credit cards or auto loans, it's families having a great time and they're going on vacation and you show planes. That all stopped in an instant. All of a sudden, it was no longer about vacation. It was like, okay, how do you do staycation? You know, how do you promote that instead of having, you know, plethora of family and friends, now you're in a family unit. And so we had to look at everything. We, we stopped everything immediately pulled things off press, looked, I mean, just did that full 360 and said, okay, what do we need to change? And we, we noticed we changed everything. We changed our tone uh, because everything wasn't going to be happy-go-lucky. Everything's not rainbows and unicorns. Um, it was now, you know, take care of your family, take care of your members. take care. And we knew right off the bat, take care of those who've taken care of you, which for us is our members. Um, and our employees. So first thing out, looked at our employees, what can we do? They're our front line. 
if they're not happy, our members aren't going to have happy people, you know. And so we looked at that. We looked at our creative. We pulled it back and said, okay, we're not showing people taking vacations. Instead, now you're having to shop online. You know, we and we were very fortunate in the fact that we had a very good online process. I think a lot of companies had to scramble. All of a sudden, it's like we went from a face-to-face to we're not going to see you for months. Yeah. Um, and but we've got your money and you trust us. And so we were we were fortunate. We had some foresight. I don't think anyone saw what was going to happen. Uh, but we just flipped a few switches on the online channel. That was fine. But how do you communicate that to your members? And then how do you communicate to people saying, you like you know, Susie and your branch. Susie's not going to be in the branch yeah. all this time. So, so we changed our online process. Um, we evaluated our imagery. We did everything. We scrutinized the tone. You know, were we being tone deaf? Were we going to do this? So it really changed from happy-go-lucky to empathy. We're here yeah. for you. So we were always there just as a credit union. That's been our, our mission. But now it's like, now is a real time where, you know, people remember you for what you did in the bad times. Good times, it's great to be an easy company. Everybody yeah. loves you. Everything's great. Really, your, your character comes out when things aren't their best. Absolutely. And whenever that happened, I mean, I know you and Brianda talk all the time. Was it a simple, like, right away when it started started, you know, the, you know, everything starts kind of falling apart necessarily, you know, with the shutdowns and things like that. I'm sure you guys were just back and forth communicating. Okay. She's communicating with you. Like how, how are we going to approach this and this back and forth conversation? Correct. Yeah. We, we pretty much, um, went into let's, let's do whatever we can to salvage what we currently have going on and, and make the most of the creative that we currently have running and, um, take a step back to, because I think that was the biggest thing was looking at, creative and looking at the tactics that need to be evergreen like you're still you still have people out there that are going to be looking at at mortgage loans and and auto loans I mean I was one of those who my house went on the market in um end of eight or in middle of April but my new house wasn't being built for another month but we didn't know what the state was so there's still business to be had and it's just connect making sure that you're connecting with your current members or those you know, new, that, that audience were, that are going to be new members and bringing them in and, and letting them know that, you know, we are here. We, you know, whether you're a current member or, you know, you're looking at the market and looking at different loan opportunities, um, we're here and when you need us. And that was one thing that I was in close communication with, with Judy and the team throughout the whole process, making sure, because we, we did make a lot of changes too. Mm-hmm. We had a lot of creative swaps and the beauty about that was when, when we, we made those changes, we could see the performance um, increase, yeah, too. Yeah, it was surprising. It was like yeah. record-breaking yep. performance. So we, we yeah. were like, okay, we're doing the right thing. This is, this is playing out to the, yeah. the best interest of, of the brand, and the audience is being it's re- they're receptive to it. So, um, yeah, I, w- I will say that there was that aha moment where we went into – um, a mode where we, we knew we needed to, to keep the train running, but then also we needed to make the appropriate adjustments um, with how the, the pandemic was evolving. And, and we were fortunate in the fact that we were able to stay relevant. There were a lot of companies that pulled a lot of media. They yeah. pulled down their billboards. They pulled down everything. And because they just didn't want the – it's not that they didn't want the business. They just didn't know how to do business. Yeah. 
And I think that was where we had been doing, you know, we had been helping our members for so long. We knew what their needs are, but the needs even shifted. So you, it's critical that you stay relevant and you stay responsive. And I, yeah. I kept having to drive that home to just everybody because you've got to, you've, you can't pull back on marketing when things are bad. That's when yeah. the, you need us the most uh, because we are the message. We're controlling that message. And your company's integrity and your reputation are mostly at risk when things are not ideal. You know, and so then you've got to be that reinforcement saying, we're still here. A lot of our competitors, and Brianna and I talked about a lot, they dropped off the map. Yeah. And what what kind of impression do you leave with your members and your loyal to customers when things get rough and you you pull back on everything? That's when they need you most. Mm-hmm. And so we made the very conscious decision of let's stay relevant, let's stay responsive. Yes, the message is going to change, but we're not disappearing. Yeah, and you were kind enough to provide us a presentation that you did as well, and and I, I took some notes, but one that I don't know, it kept like I kept harping on it. I even I mentioned it to my wife last night was when you said. Avoiding a crisis in a crisis. And I think that, and in, in the highlights you said was you guys, you had already prepared for something like this. And that to me is powerful and, and also like hard to wrap my head around because I'm not, not a lot of people did that. But you guys had the foresight to actually go in there and say, you know, something can happen no matter if it's like we lose some branches or there's a pandemic. You already had prepared for something like this, and I'd love to hear like how you guys had that available and immediately were able to like flip into that mode. We are very at RBFC. We're very fortunate. Several of us had worked in media, worked in news. The worst thing you can do is have the disaster within the disaster, exactly. right? Yeah. And so we go out of our way, like prepare for the worst. Oh, hopefully nothing happens, <laughs> but you know, hope for the best, prepare for the worst. So we every year we do an exercise. Um, and it's a company-wide exercise where we bring the crisis team together, which, by the way, have the crisis team before the crisis. Mm-hmm. Trying to pull people together when, let's take the pandemic. People were working from home. People were, the, you, you had people everywhere. Um, that's tough to do no matter what situation you're in. But if you don't have a team, people are out there talking. You, you've got to be able, as marketers and as PR, you've got to be able to control the message. So we have a team that we, we have in, through anything. We have a playbook for pandemic. We had a playbook for a sinkhole. We had a playbook. I mean, <laughs> there's nothing out of the realm of possibilities. And I think if COVID taught us nothing else, there is nothing outside the realm of possibilities. So many companies we felt like going through this pandemic did it completely wrong. I mean, even at the level of their employees. Yeah. You've got to be transparent, and you've got to whatever tone is set at the top. So if you've got your top management freaking out, guess what's going to happen to the people on the phones? They're freaking out. Then your members. That didn't happen because we've been doing this crisis management, I would say, two decades now. And it's almost it's almost like every year we're like, okay, what's the damage? You're going to, you know, fall into a sinkhole. Oh, well, that's new. Um, (laughs) And so we did a pandemic two years ago. And it was completely unforeseen. We didn't know. Yeah. Um, but all of a sudden it happened, and guess what? The plan worked. I think that's the definition of, an act- of a good leader, too, is you don't flinch. It's uh, if, you know, if the cameras are on you uh, and something happens live on air, you know, a true leader says they go with it. They say, we had planned for this, and this is what we're going to do to fix it. This is what we're going to do to get better. And that's exactly what it sounds like you guys did over at Randolph, which is amazing. 
another thing you mentioned earlier too that was protecting the brand you know in, in the middle of something like this for you what were the most important steps that you guys took to protect the, the brand during something like this for a pandemic there are some things i think are tried and true um almost mantras one of them's do the right thing and so with us ours we just came back to our mission statement back to our it's our beacon what what do we do to make our members lives easier and then if you can constantly go back to that beacon and everybody's singing from the same song sheet and it's so much easier but that's why the practice you know having this crisis team anything that you can do because you you can't just make this up as you go along and i think a lot of companies did and i think now they're stepping back going oh my gosh what would we have done differently um, but if you practice it and you have your playbook, you tend not to do that. Um, the other thing is keep your promises. And we always tell people, you know, don't sell the dream and deliver the nightmare. Because when people, especially when it's their money, um, which, you know, they've entrusted us with, this is not where you want to make your mistakes. You know, and so we've already have, you know, oversight. We have everything going on so that everything flows smoothly. And to your point, if we freak out, everybody's going to freak out. And that's why it's just critical, not only your part, you know, your executives, but your partners. We, I mean, we called Q1 and said, we're going to have to shift our strategy. Yeah. You know, where, I mean, let's be honest, people weren't driving into work. Are you seeing our billboards? Are you seeing this? Some people pulled out of billboards a lot. We didn't. Yeah. But what we did was we said, okay, now we're going to geofence our billboards. Now we're going to, you know, and Q1 helped us do that. So not only are you going to see the banner on 35, you're also going to see it on your phone. So we, we moved very much into the digital age where I think a lot of people were probably scared about it. We were already doing that thanks to Q1. Um, and, and knowing what the technology and the resources were available, all we did really was say, okay, we created the new creative, we put it up, and then we just executed. You know, so it is, it is prepared, just, but it also, too, is working with your external partners because we couldn't have done this without you guys, you know, without Q1. Um, and that's another thing as far as being one of the largest, actually the largest credit in Texas, we have the resources to do this. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that, you know, smaller credit unions, banks, and any company, leverage your partners. That's what they're there for. You're already taking care of, I mean, our, our job shifted. We were now going to employ communications. We're now, you know, it again, we're not necessarily putting out, you know, credit card ads, but we our job shifted it overnight. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so with the paid, so give me, give me like a, a quick little timeline. So what did your paid advertising look like? pre-pandemic what did it look like in the heart of it and then have has now that we're kind of starting to come out of it a little bit is it changing much or are you still kind of sticking where you're you were kind of in the middle of the heart of the pandemic right now we are we're extremely fortunate at rbfcu to have an analytics team okay um and so we know what campaigns work we know what channels work and the channels did change so pre-pandemic we probably did a lot more direct mail um, our call to actions changed, our CTAs changed. They went from go to a branch and, you know, go to the drive to everything's online. Yeah. I mean, without a doubt, hands down, happened quickly. Um, but then it also, you know, educating your employees, um, everything's going online. So we, I think our media mix prior to the pandemic, 
Good 50-50. Good traditional, non-traditional, you know, we'll always have radio, we'll always have that. But we switched, uh, on radio we switched to more streaming because we knew that people were not going to be in their cars, but that they were going to listen on their Alexa and everything else. So we we made a lot of very conscious decisions that we didn't even know we were ever going to make. Yeah. You know, we started looking at the numbers. We, of course, reached out to our, our partners. Uh, I think we switched, I would say we went from 50-50 to probably 70% digital mm-hmm. um, and streaming, to, and then 30% we did keep up our billboards because just... You're going to need that awareness. And Absolutely. that's a very visual medium, which I think a lot of people, they just feel comfortable when they see that you're still there. Absolutely. Um, and so, and are we going to go back? It really depends what the data tells us. Yeah. I don't think we're, we're completely, th- I don't think anyone would agree that we're completely through this. But I will tell you, and I think Brianda alluded to it, while a lot of, a lot of credit unions and banks were losing people, we were gaining Mm-hmm. which was shocking because we, we fully, I mean, having we, the best months here. we were having record breaking months <laughs> yeah. and we're just sitting there, you know, we come back in, um, I think it was March, March that we had a ninth, you know, we brought in our highest group and we kind of all looked around and said, wow. Um, now could it be that some people, you know, came over because their institutions didn't support them because they weren't there when they need them. Very possible. Um, but I think, honestly, I think it's because our executives and, and we, you know, we're very much part of that conversation. You just don't turn it off. You know, yeah. keep the marketing going because that is a tough train to get started mm-hmm. again. Yeah, I think you're, you're docking the boat and then you got to like redo everything to get it back out on the ocean. You know, that's, I think that's, that's really important right there is like you can't just turn it off. Because, you know, you can't just dock it and, you know, wait for it to, the seas to get you know, calm again. Who knows when they're going to do that? Brianna, I was going to ask you. So during this, you know, with the digital, you know, digital spin that we do and and work with uh, Randolph Brooks, you know, where come what avenues were we were you guys working together on? Where is you know you mentioned streaming? Was it you know was it kind of everything, including polygoning, you know, billboards and things like that, like she mentioned? Yeah. So we kept a lot of the tactics. Um, continuing through the life of the pandemic a lot of it was that creative shift like I mentioned you know pumping the brakes let's look at creative let's see how we can engage the audience in a a better way that's going to be more you know empathetic to what they're going through and when we knew because we were going we were all in this together really so um, I think I think that was um, a, a really big focus was just making sure that the creative first off and the audience were in line now, um, when we talk about some of the shifts, so we did increase video. So we did add budgets to YouTube where people were, you know, we were seeing higher numbers of um, inventory in YouTube and we found the right audiences, connected them with the, the relevant creative. And we saw the performance, you know, play out accordingly where we did see some of those record breaking months and, and surpassing all the benchmarks that we normally set with these type of campaigns. Um, also, like Judy had mentioned too, that KPI, right? Yeah. If we have the branches closed, <laughs> then we definitely don't want to be driving members to the branches. So um, that was driving a lot of the the traffic to the site, and 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 also not just to the site to then call the the call center, but to to find what they need on the site mm-hmm. with the appropriate relevant landing pages. Um, in, in a, in a user-friendly environment so that they can access everything that they need. They can use the site as a true resource to apply for that credit card mm-hmm. or mortgage loan or yeah. auto loan and, and go from there where they, they can handle it themselves rather than having 
you know, wait to wait on on the line to talk to somebody that is going to tell them that they could have found this on the site. And, so. and we found something interesting, and in, when we were looking at the data, because we do a lot of data-driven decisions, um, and I think you have to pay attention to the data. Mm-hmm. What we found is ad fatigue is yeah. a thing. It's a real thing. Um, and through the pandemic, prior to the pandemic, we could have an ad in market two to three months, four months, no problem. Yeah. All of a sudden, when people are starting to see it, we saw ad fatigue kick in a lot earlier. Yes, like six weeks, two months. Yes. And, and then we and we questioned it. Yeah. But sure enough, we quickly put in a new ad and, you know, even practice some A-B testing. And that was when we, it was very apparent that, yes, this is what our what we thought is exactly right. Ad fatigue is real. And and, which was strange because before that, we didn't, I mean, we would look at the data and, and it was like clicking up, clicking up. Yeah. And But when people are spending copious amounts of time, <laughs> you know, because they have nothing else to do than look at their phones or, you know, go online through OTD, all this stuff was going on. All of a sudden it was like, Oh man! Now we got to switch ads because yeah. we're seeing a sl- slight dip. Um, and to be honest, point we would A/B test, which I think is critical as marketers. And I don't know that a lot of people are doing that anymore. You've got to know what works and what's what's hitting the spot, what's resonating. We uh, A/B tested mask versus no mask ads. Mm-hmm. So we did. We just took this opportunity while we had a captive audience. Yeah. Um, we took this opportunity to say, okay, let's test and see what's resonating. We did have to change our tone because like any any institution, you're not you're not encouraging people to spend at this point. Mm-hmm. We want them to save. So we switched our message from buy a new car to, hey, if you refinance, you mm-hmm. can save up to 1593. Yeah. I mean, it, it was just such a dynamic shift, but as a marketer, it is just you just kind of have to take a step back and go, I've never in my career, and I've been in banking my entire career, I've never had to take a step back this much and look at the um, culture and look at the environment and look at, and not only look at it today, because we all thought, okay, this will be over in two months. This will be over in four months. Yeah. That Then we're just like, okay, this is a permanent change. Mm-hmm. We're never going to go back to the pre-COVID days. And also, too, people are making decisions differently. Well, and it's it's the digital world now, right? Um, you know, everybody is now. You know, they're not walking into a branch anymore. They're just they're just setting up an account online and, and they're doing things digitally. And in that, I want to I want to bring up this topic. And I, I want to you know, you had this on your presentation, but I think it's the world we live in now, and that's social media. I mean, it's such a massive part of everybody's lives now. Um, you know. People up to sixty-five plus, you know, they Facebook accounts and things like that. So I really would love to know, um, kind of, how does uh, RBFCU navigate social media? What are kind of, I know you mentioned, be you know, not you don't have to put a lot of humor in it, you know, just be there to educate your audience and educate your 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 members. So I'd love to hear kind of how you handle social media, how you handle social media advertising, and kind of how you're doing that, you know, during this time. Um, I, I always joke the funny thing about social media is it finally puts social in with media. We always knew it was, yeah. you know, because people talk. I jokingly say I've got 2,000 friends I've never met. Um, because <laughs> when you when you have these types of, you know, 
pandemics and or even disasters, natural disasters, where you can't move too much, you seek you still want that human interaction, whether or not it's you know physical or not. So we don't use our social media as a hard sell um, because that's not what we think that vehicle is for. Social media for us is a way to educate. So we were going out quite a bit with, and we saw great results from, we're here for you. Here's how we can help you. Here are articles on managing credit during the pandemic. Here's articles about this. So we just used our social channels as our opportunity to talk to our members or at least give information to our members to educate them on things, problems they may not even know they had. You know, how do you, how do you, you know, is it better to rent or buy? So I think during the pandemic, a lot of people were just neat. They wanted information. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, we just served it right up. We're like, we've had these articles for forever. Yeah. Um, and we have writers on staff that write, you know, based on, we look at our social media, see what, what our members are posting about. What do they want to know? Because I think a lot of times you can feed them, you know, you'll put out whatever you want. We, we don't take that approach. We're like, yeah. what are they asking? What are the questions they're asking? And a lot of it was, how do I manage credit during a pandemic? How is this going to affect? What is my credit score? You know, and so we just fed a lot of information that our members were needing um, through our social channels. And our writers, I, I jokingly said, they were the busiest people at the credit union because we were just like, okay, somebody was asking this question. Can we get an article on that? And the answer is yes, you know, and then they would, we'd do the research and we'd do all this. And again, you know, leveraging you guys as partners, it, I call it the 360. We had to be everywhere. Yeah. You have to just constantly be there because one of the things I, I say is out of sight, out of mind, out of business. Yeah. You know, um, if, you, if you don't, <laughs> if you're not constantly out there, but not only advertising, marketing's great, but I think people always, you know, group marketing into, oh, sell, sell, sell. We don't. We're all about, it's got to be the full relationship. You've got to trust us or you're not going to, you know, deposit your money with us and everything else. We're not that credit union slash bank that's like, oh, got to open a credit card, got to do this. If it's there for you and you need it, great, we're here too. But we're not going to sell you a car. We're giving you the ability to have a job. And one of the coolest things, we um, we just celebrated our millionth member, and it was this 17-year-old who came in, and she literally had money in this purse and opened her purse and said, I want to deposit this. I want to buy my next car. Yeah. That's why we're here. Yeah. You know, it's because her mom is a member, and then she's like, and I was that way, too. I remember going up the steps of a, of a credit union, and it was in this temporary building. I thought, why would I do this, you know? Yeah. And But it's because credit unions are owned by members. And yes. she, my mother was diehard. If, you know, we're going to support each other. And I was like, okay. And so that's kind of how I grew up. So it's I guess it's just one of those things where that's when the pandemic happened. Our whole focus was take care of your members, just go to the members, go to the members. And we grew in membership because word of mouth and social media. And, and we weren't out there trying to, you know, be something we're not. And have you guys, uh, Brianda, for you, have you, have we done a lot with them in the, in the social media aspect with the, you know, the, the Instagram, Facebook, things like that, or has it been mainly, we've been maybe pivoted or focused on like display video, things like that. Yeah. So, so they have their own hidden house social media Perfect. team, but okay. we work syner- synergistically together Amazing. on, okay. you know, the approaches that they're taking. Obviously we want the same type of, of 
ads that are relevant Absolutely. to what we're serving there, um, even though you know it's not a hard sell there, we still want them to emulate them in some sort of way. So um, you know we work together and they keep us up to speed with that, and and, and I feel like um, that strategy is really solid and how we how it evolves too with. Um, the ever-evolving state of the yeah. pandemic. Yeah, I think we, co- we go with channel of choice. So yeah. we'll create the videos. Um, and so, but from there, we'll do the Q1, you know, you guys will house it and, and drive the traffic. We do manage the YouTube, yep. for instance. Yep. So and that's then, also on, the same videos are on Facebook absolutely. as YouTube. Well, and that's where they support us. And so all of a sudden, numbers are going through the roof, and, and now it's, it's uh, allocating or attributing, like, any marketing department that's divided is not going to be successful. So you've yes. got to have communications talking to marketing, marketing talking to com, because you've got to have that synergy. And then, and on top of that, the partners. I mean, we'll have you know meetings with all of us. Just okay, what are you doing? What are you doing? And the message has got to be consistent because if I go, if I have an ad out there, and then you go to our website and it doesn't match, and then you go to social media, what are you guys doing? <laughs> Absolutely, I'm not trying to. Sh- ask you to show me the playbook but 2022 it's right around the corner we're in the middle of q4 right now what are the marketing goals for you know rbfcu in 2022 and if i'm a small credit union out in iowa what would you tell me that going in 2022 i want to i want to grow my members i want to get more you know more people in the stores to you know sign up for new accounts or, or, or refinance with us what would you tell them they they should do? Uh, where they should they focus their advertising dollars as well? Uh, so it's oh, a two part question. Yeah, it's kind of a two parter, <laughs> three, four, maybe. Maybe four. Um, yeah. uh, I think there's a lot. I think first of all, have a calendar. Um, know what you're doing because part of the playbook is you know understanding in financial world, and I'm pretty sure in most businesses it's all cyclical. You know, we know when home buying season is. We know when this. That's changed a little bit, but also pay attention to what's going on. So we also know that, you know, interest rates are going to have an impact on us. Mm -hmm. So how do we respond to that? And I would say if you're a smaller credit union, uh, look at your talent in-house. What are their strengths and what are their weaknesses? And then either get them trained up or find a really good partner that can come in. So we know some things. We know that you, you know Q1 and a lot of our other vendors. I personally am not going to go on a billboard ladder and try and put up a vinyl. <laughs> that is not going to happen. But know your craft, and know that some of the stuffs you have strengths and you have weaknesses. We're really good at compelling messaging. One of the things I think all marketers should do is answer the question why. And if you can't say in a very simple sentence why it's not a well thought out strategy. So we don't put up, you know, low rate loans because nobody's going to go out there and go, no, no, we have high rates, don't worry. Yeah. Um, so what, what, what do you do better than anyone else? So RBFCU, we're the number one mortgage lender in Texas, you know, based on this, and I, I'm sure my entire compliance department would have kittens, but, um, <laughs> but find out what you do better than anyone else and really accentuate that but uh, focus on that and and know that there's going to be enough the play the whole thing about playbook is there are other teams on the field you're going to win some things you're going to lose some things but what are you best at and then you focus on that because that's what the consumer is going to remember um you know and, and it works across all lines of business so you just have to scrutinize any 
any marketing department, if you do not know who your ideal customer looks like and you could not put a picture of it on anyone's computer, figure it out. Those are the, that's your target market. And then whoever doesn't have the product, that's going to be the easy sell. Because say, for example, you know, Brianda and I, you know, females, I have a credit card. We are almost exact. Why do I have one and she doesn't? That's what you need to figure out. And then you're marketing to her based on that. So look at your demographics and really look at your demographics. Don't just say, oh, I think, you know, male 45 to... Don't. Know your stuff. Your data will tell you where your next market is. Um, and then find out what's important to them. And then that's how you market. And it, it sounds super simple and intuitive, but I, I've been in several marketing departments where I walked in and said, okay, who's your target market? Who's your... Dem-? Completely off. You know, um, and so I think you really need to understand that. It's critical for when we build our models with Q1 and everybody else. If you don't know who you're marketing you're going to spend a whole lot of money on people who really don't care about you. Mm-hmm. So what we did is we found out who our demographics are. We match it up with the demographics that Q1 can provide. Plus, you guys have you know, proprietary software that <laughs> helps us. Um, but find out who's in market for your products. Auto intenders, you can find them. Homeowners, you can find them. Because that's, to me, I like to do marketing by, I, I often say I do marketing by scalpel, not a sledgehammer. You know, you can beat people over the head with it, but if they're not in market, you're wasting your money. So know the strengths and, you know, going back to your question, knowing the strengths and weaknesses of your department and individuals, which your weaknesses are, figure out how to fill that gap. Either it's through a provider, somebody else who does it. Um, We probably will not bring digital in-house because at that point, you, you know, you have a, we have a vendor in, you guys, where you're, this is what you do day in and day out. Guess what I do? I'm in meetings. I'm in here. I'm yeah. not giving it the focus it needs. And my, you know, RBFCU would suffer because of it. Because we're prioritized, reprioritized every single day. Yeah. You know, you guys do this in day, day in, day in, day in, day out. Same with every other vendor. Uh, billboard, they do this all the time. Again, I'm not going up on the ladder. You know, so they're just, we're, this is where I think our, our management figured it out. Mm-hmm. And because they figured it out, we have benefited. Yeah, I think if this pandemic and everything we've all gone together, gone through together has taught us, it's really, truly, you know, trust the people that know you best and care about you and, and really work with each other to make the best possible decision, whether it be for, your marketing goals, your family, your business, things like that. And I think that we have found that with you as a partner. And I think that that's something that can resonate with, like I mentioned earlier, the smaller guys out there, because you guys are such a gold standard and such a leader in the industry. Being able to find, you know, stay in your lane, do what you, like you mentioned, do what you do, you do best. Also, don't be afraid, like you mentioned earlier, A-B test. Yes. And find the right creatives and work with your partner again to find that. And overall, just be there for your members and i know that they you know others listening to this probably know that but i think it's you need to continue to say that be there for your members because everybody's being there for their families and you know if they have a partner like you and that then they'll definitely well and i think one of my favorite phrases is you know you're not chocolate you know you need to not everyone's gonna like every you don't do everything perfectly so figure it out and then hire the right ones but i will say 
to that point, you've got to actively be part of that partnership. You can't yeah. just turn it over and say, make this happen. Yeah. Um, I, I have to know going into it, basic, what are industry standards? So if we have a 0.05 response rate on this, I need to know as the corporation, that's good. Or mm, nah, we need some work on that. So I can't just trust my partners. I also have to know just enough to say, okay, this is working or this isn't. Uh, because there are some, you guys are phenomenal, and we, trust me when I tell you, we've been through several partners. Um, so we we are, you know, we're the largest for a reason. We expect high standards, and we expect our partners to live up to them. But by the same token, that doesn't mean we can just say, okay, go do whatever it is you do. We've, we've got to be active participants. So we, when the, I think probably within the first two weeks where we went, up, oh, this isn't going away. The pandemic is not going away. It's not going to be this. We were on the phone with all of our partners and saying, okay, how can we do this better? What can we do? How do we do this? And that's where really I think our value is because we've got, we've got the knowledge of what our members do say and, and we're getting that. Then you guys, you know, outside vendors, oh, well, this is, it's, and also bringing best practices to us. I don't think I ever leave a meeting saying, without saying, okay, what question am I not asking that I should be asking? Yeah. You know, because I don't pretend to know everything. But boy, I really leverage my partners for that. And I think that's where, again, when the numbers and data is everything, when the numbers came back, that was the right move. Leverage your partners, stay in market, you know, be true to your, you know, keep your promises and stay relevant. Um, Absolutely. Um, when I took over the Cube podcast uh, earlier this year, um, I was constantly emailing and calling Brianda saying, I really want to get RBFCU on here um, just because I know how important you guys are to not only the state, but the industry and the vertical in general. And you've been such a longstanding partner. So I was excited that we finally got you on. And now I know why I wanted you on because <laughs> I think you provided so much amazing information for this, the little guy out there. But also, uh, you know, you drive a message home that everybody needs to, like, listen to. And that is, like, we're all in this together. Be there for each other. And then, you know, leverage and work side by side with people that you trust and people that, you know, care about you and care about your business. So I just want to personally thank you so much for coming on and Brianna for finally getting this set up. And um, we're extremely excited to put this out for not only our, our listeners, but a lot of the, uh, the little guys out there, the, the smaller credit unions, and even the bigger credit unions out there across the United States and see how your your marketing goals and, and things like that align with theirs. And if there's certain things they hear in this from you that say, you know, what, actually, we need to, you know, we need to do more A-B testing. That, that maybe makes more sense. So I think this is going to be an extremely important podcast. And I just want to thank you so much for coming on. This yes, was so you. much fun. Thank you guys so much for having us. Thank you so much, Judy.